Welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. This is a non-judgmental place to explore spirituality, and we're so glad you're here. This is a viewer and listener supported podcast, so we greatly appreciate your support. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Be sure and like, share, and subscribe to any of the social media content platforms that you're using. And then if you go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com, you can make a one-time donation or with a monthly subscription, you'll gain access to our bonus content. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. We're glad you joined us for this episode and we're excited to have Tiffany Woodruff with us today. Hello. Thank you, Tiffany, for joining us. Yeah. So Tiffany, you are the first fashion designer Woo-hoo. that it's I have time. had the privilege of interviewing. Thank you. And that's that was so fun because I, it's I always try to do a little bit of research before I interview somebody. And so it was just kind of a fun world to dive into a little bit. Yeah. Get a little bit of yeah. wing spread in that in that industry. Yeah. And <clears throat> I, I I mean I would not say that I'm, you know, a fashionista by any stretch of the means, but I've always had an interest in it yeah like so like like i'll still i still get a gq magazine oh good like paper magazine yeah you know I love just it. and i you know of course i get their online stuff but but it's just because i like looking at style yeah and i like looking at you know what what's going on and yeah um and uh and so the fashion industry is 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 a fascinating world it is it's um it's been it's become my whole life. Um, it started out as a place for comfort for me because I didn't really know who I was and clothes always made me feel very comfortable expressing myself even though I didn't have to voice anything. My clothes spoke for me. So even though I felt different, I didn't have to say that. I already, you're gonna see that I look different in suburbia and I always felt different. And I think fashion provided me that space where it's like okay i'm not the only one wearing weird stuff here like there are people out there who put together weird textures and designs and patterns and think it looks cool so that is it's become my home and i think a lot of people kind of there's a bad taste in people's mouths about the fashion industry and i think it's become it's evolved a lot and it's sparking people's interest because there's so much collaboration right now um, fashion's not just fashion now, it's art, it's music, it's it's all around us. Mm-hmm. So I think people are becoming more aware, kind of their eyes are leaning towards those unique patterns, but mm-hmm. fashion's my home. As you can tell, I can talk about it all day. No, that's what we're here to do. That's what we're here to do. So before we jump into that, let's, uh, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? And give was, us a little bit of your background story. Okay. Bef- well, and how you got into fashion, but yeah, you know, start with where you were born. Okay. <laughs> I was born in Lancaster, California. Um, we lived there, me and my family, for two years. Serious? Yeah. And then we moved to Missouri. Do you know, I've I've actually preached at a church in Lancaster, California. There's okay. a vineyard church in Lancaster. I've been to that one. Have you really? Yes, with my grandparents. I've preached there. They still live there. So Holy I was crud. actually just there for Christmas. No so way. Yeah, that's awesome. I know the guy that founded that, and then he died of cancer. I know the guy that's the pastor there now. He's what a, a small world. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah, anyway. my, my family's hmm. got a lot of Christian roots. Okay. So. Wow. Lancaster, mm-hmm. the desert, <laughs> the desert, the desert. 
not quite where people imagine me coming from. They think yeah. they say LA when I say California. I'm like, mm -hmm. eh, yeah. Really so how did so what like where did where'd you go from Lancaster? Um, well, <laughs> once my parents decided they wanted to focus fully on you know our upbringing, that's when they decided to move towards the Midwest. I know the Blue Valley School District at that time was like the top ten in the country for mm. education, so they were really just trying to give us a better life, a better opportunity than they did um, in the LA school district. So they quickly got out of there my dad moved to um, the missouri side and started his mortgage company by himself and built it from the ground up and now they're still in kansas and have stayed there my whole life so wow so did your your mom and dad move to blue springs mm -hmm. from lancaster yeah when you were how old were you i was two holy crud yeah, wow i was so, very young and did they have connection <clears throat> here family here what like, why in the world would you pick blue? I know, blue so random. From, from well, my aunt was the first one who moved out of California. My whole family, my mom and dad's side are both over there. So my aunt moved and then my mom closely followed and was like, you know, my aunt was raving about it saying, everyone's so nice here. Like, it's so quiet. There's no traffic. And everyone shortly followed. Pretty much everyone except for my, my grandparents came to Kansas. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So did you did you graduate from Blue Valley or I mean, not Blue Valley, uh, Blue Springs It was Blue Valley. Oh, it was Blue Valley. Yeah. Okay. I graduated from Blue Valley West High School okay. yeah, in 2011. OK. Um, I started my soccer career. Well, when I was very young, but I played soccer in high school, um, which is how I got my scholarship. Ended up in Western Michigan, of all places, playing for soccer? my scholarship. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Kalamazoo. <laughs> But it was did a great experience. Did you do all four years? No, I just did two. Okay. Yeah, I did two. Um, I got sick my second year and decided I wanted to focus on my health and okay. live a normal life. <laughs> I just I just interviewed the COO of Sporting KC. Oh, really? Two weeks ago. Fun. He's been there for 10 years. So uh, he started there in, in 2012. Yeah. Right. You know, so mm -hmm. it was really sporting KC was like really fun, a very highlight highlighted moment in my life. Just knowing it was possible. OK, finally, Kansas City. Yeah. Got some soccer going on, like someone's doing something out there. <laughs> such, a, such a great organization. Too, Absolutely. They really do a great job. They so. do. Well, cool. So what what got you interested in fashion? How young? How how old were you when you started like? I would say, I think really where it began for me was when we were in high school and in middle school, we didn't have a lot of newer clothes. I had my selection of secondhand clothing that was from St. Louis from my cousins and then my cousins in California. And that was what I had to wear and what I had to work with. Um, and obviously the styles in those places are very different than out here. So I got sent some unique things, some other tastes that I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'd wear that, but if I wear it with this, maybe it'll look all right. Like it'll look more like me. Um, so I was always mixing and bleaching and cutting and hand sewing little pieces just so it would fit me. Um, so that little creative kind of working with what I got is, is where it started. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm so I'm curious because like, you know, grow, like growing up, you know, and you're, you know, the peer pressure and who's wearing what and who has, you know, that whole scene. Yes. Young, you know, the young 
Yes. The, you know, who's got the money to wear the nice, all, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. how did that play into your interest? Were you more, or were you already at a young age more trying to express your individuality? Yeah. Okay. I think there was an inner part of me that was kind of crying out because I, I didn't have those clothes around me. I always was, you know, a little different. I didn't have that you know, Abercrombie and Fitch at the time with the Hollister jeans and the, mm -hmm. that was the thing. Okay. I, and my family couldn't afford that. So wearing what I had, making it look better than the Hollister jeans and for free was really, it made me feel good. I was proud to wear what I what I had on. Yeah. I was, I felt cool. It didn't matter what they had on. I was always like, well, mine's, my outfit's better than yours. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to pay a hundred dollars out of my parents' pocket. I'm gonna do it myself. <laughs> so. But from there, um, the tomboy side of me, that kind of combined with those weird textures that my cousins would send me and okay. and those crocheted dresses that she would send me, I'd find a way to kind of integrate that into my tomboy side because I was a soccer player through and through. It was, that was my job. So wearing the comfy sweats, wearing the you know baggy hoodies and a ball cap, that's always kind of been my, my thing. But I wanted to make it different you know mm -hmm. always making it different so so did like did you just was that a part of you from that point on like that's that literally has been a part of you and how yeah, you express yeah. yourself absolutely the thrift store my my mom whenever we would it would be uh back to school day in our picture outfit we'd be at the thrift store we're going to the ones in leewood we're going to the ones in mission hills we're going to estate sales getting those nicer clothes and trying to make it work for us and that that was a really fun experience. What and years were, would that be? I want to say thirteen is really when okay. we started going estate sailing. Because when did I'm trying to think? When did these these places that special you know like these little franchise places that do secondhand clothing started popping up everywhere? Yeah, maybe ten years ago or yeah, I'd say like that long ago. 2014 was really when the what are some of the like Ditto and I don't yeah, know all Ditto, of these names. Yeah, um, Ditto. Who's the other one? They're here in Kansas City. I forget the name. Some, uh, there's some Asian gal that went to my church that ran that owned one yeah. of those franchises. Yeah, like, so and it and it started now, that way. You know, yeah. I think it that's really where it began was yeah. profiting off of, which is kind of sad, but it's it's resale. So there, yeah. there's a good impact that can be made by so. that for sure. Um, when did Macklemore come out with this song? Oh, the thrift store song. I, <laughs> man, when was that? 2000. He really made it cool. He really did. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I got it for 20 cents at the thrift store or something. That lyric, I was like, mm. uh, 2012, I'm I had a feeling it was after I graduated. Pop some tags. I'm gonna pop some tags. Love yeah, I love it. That was a good one. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, so cool. So you guys started just combing the stores. Oh yeah. And then were you always uh, ups? What do you call it? Up, upcycling. Upcycling everything. Pretty much. Creatively. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, just for myself, it was starting as myself. And then as I got, you know, more into it, I'm like, well, I want a sewing machine to be able to do that. And I want a sewing machine to be able to do that. So I got a $25 sewing machine from 1975. What kind? A, it was a Singer Fashion Mate. 
I went with my grandma. I used See, her my discount. Mom's gonna, my mom's 85. She's going to like listening to this. Oh, she, good. She had a Singer sewing machine. I love it. So crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's mint green. It came in the <clears throat> original, like, maple wood casing. Oh, my gosh. It was wow. it's super cool. And it was in perfect condition. So cool. Yeah. So that's how I started learning huh. to sew. Yeah. You taught yourself. Yes. Did you do YouTube videos? Or? Oh, yeah. YouTube <laughs> University, the Brother Hotline, the Singer Hotline, the Viking Hotline, everybody Isn't I it could amazing call. amazing what you can learn doing that, though? Oh, yeah. I YouTube mean, University a, all the way. It's a lot cheaper than, uh, you know, Harvard. <laughs> yeah, I'd say. Uh, it took me longer. Don't get me wrong. I, yeah. I'm, and I'm now a student at Parsons, so... I just do part-time um, on their streetwear essentials complex. Class. Say this again. It's the um, complex. It's basically a conglomerate that combines creatives and they're nationally known. Um, but they partnered with Parsons, which is the school of fashion, and they combined to make this streetwear essentials certificate so, class. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm kind of learning about the business side, um, the growing evolution of streetwear and also like entrepreneurship. So give us an education on the history of streetwear. Ooh, yeah. that's a great question. For me, my origination that I deem important to me was the 90s, early 90s, late 80s. Um, and I even go back to the early 1920s for inspiration. But I think streetwear really start, started like around music. That was really where hip hop culture, street really found its way. You see um, Run DMC in the, you know, shell toed adidas mm -hmm. and that really was the first time we saw those big fashion moments take place and people are like oh now i gotta get those shell toed shoes with the wide laces and they're sitting at home combing the laces to make sure they're wide just like run dmcs were and and you see uh dapper dan in new york you know he really took gucci louis vuitton and he he flipped that whole industry on its side and he made it for rappers for you know musicians in the scene and i that's where for me i i feel like interesting streetwear Inter began. so when you say go back to 1920s like i'm thinking pinky blinders or pinky blinders <laughs> oh yeah yeah it, i love that show it's so good it's so good and the stylist you know, like in gang, that show is like gangwear yes a little absolutely. bit right yes. i mean even that there's that, lots the, of little the notions of that thing is cool yes very cool um interesting interesting yeah. but i have yeah, a lot so. of inspiration through history mm -hmm. but i think streetwear in particular was music oriented was, yeah that's really where it got its cover huh so cool so and then but it's it's mainstreamed in some ways right yes absolutely like, i think I think the culture I connect with in the fashion industry isn't what you're probably referring to. Um, there's there's lots of different industries underneath fashion. Um, yeah, give me just help us understand that because I'm yeah. I'm pretty ignorant. So um, well, the streetwear community is now growing. Um, it, there's the couture. There's the ready to wear um, fashion designers. There's the um, loungewear. You know, there's comfort wear. Um, athleisure is a big thing right now. So I think the fashion industry is, as a whole is becoming more streetwear 
in its origination, whether they're willing to admit it or not, but that's where the, the future is going is by recycling those old designs, right? So mm -hmm. you see these $300 vintage Pink Floyd shirts being worn by ASAP Fergie and all of them, they're, they're recycling those original designs, you know, they're, they're creating an image that's from the past, but cre creating this modern way, right? And I think a lot of designers, fashion brands are starting to notice that and saying, well, we need to take our brand there. And you know, that's, that's where it's going. We need to recycle more. And I think the impact comes along with it, but streetwear now is becoming couture. It's becoming, you know, you see Ralph Lauren pairing with brands and Gucci and Louis Vuitton, all these big brands that are finally collaborating, but they're using original designs. They're going back into their archives and, and looking at patterns of designs that they did back in 1925 mm -hmm. when they first started and yeah. regenerating those ideas, which is awesome. And, and then a part of what you, you literally are hands on with every piece that you sell. Is that right? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So tell us about that a little bit, because you're, you're finding where, where do you find your pieces now, your items that you and then and then what do you what do you do with them? What do you try to put into every piece of garment that you sell? And, and how does that what, what are you trying what does to that process look like? Yeah. Yeah. What are, it's it's kind of a pigmented chaotic process <laughs> um i've put organization to it now with my business um, but i have and collect you know things that'll catch my eye over the years and i'll i won't touch that thing again for maybe three four years but i'll hold on to it and keep everything i have every fabric i have is still locked in my archives and my inventory back there somewhere and i'll think of that piece and go back to it and um, but I think really where I take it from that step to the it's touching like my, it phase. It's like my books. Yeah. I've got all these thousands of books. And, yeah, I collect and, them. And I, like I have this weird, like if I'm preparing something or writing something, mm -hmm. I'll remember a book from yeah. 20 years ago and go find it and pull it out and get something from it and then put it back. Yep. I do so the you same do that thing. with clothing and Absolutely. with fabrics and mm -hmm. oh, fascinating. Um, but I... I gather things that you don't normally find or originals that remind me of a picture of Marilyn Monroe back in the day. I mean, I get inspiration from mostly history, um, but there's fabrics that remind me of certain outfits or icon moments or whatever back in history. And I try to so put like, a little flair to it. So like you see something in a movie, you see something in a online yeah, magazine or on the street or you see I mean, some somebody's yeah. wearing and it uh, it just clicks in you yeah and, and then, then I'm all like, of a sudden i have a vest at home that i think i could really make that look even more like forward fashion forward like you could take a normal vest and make it look very amazing with the correct color swatches their correct color patterns but the things i decide to sew on to each garment are that is my most delicate process so i have a bins of scrap fabrics that I'll lay on top of the, them and be like, nope, that doesn't work. Yep, that looks good. I kind of want to put some gold thread on there or, you know, a white button to match this. It's kind of all colors. I, I love matching colors, but in a very subtle way that's mm -hmm. still bold. Wow. <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot to unpack in that process. So what's, what <laughs> kind of a process do you go through now to like, do you have a like a hunting process of 
finding fabrics and clothing and all kinds? Do you give your secrets away or is there things you like, um, at least in general? <laughs> well, in Portland, I and I know they have it here. The Goodwill has at the main warehouse, they have the bins which get exchanged like every 30 minutes and you wait in line and then they bring all new bins out and you get them by the pound. So you can get clothes, fabrics, shoes, I mean, random things that are just left at the warehouse. And that's a really good spot to find stuff if you need to buy the pound or if I'm looking for, you know, denim in excess because I want to make a denim patchwork jacket out of recycled fabric. I'll I'll go there for that to just to get it in bulk. It doesn't matter what it looks like. I'm going to I'm going to bring it back to new anyway. So um, that's a good spot. And I love estate sales. Estate sales are really good right now. Um, I actually met a lady on Facebook Marketplace, which is another good source I use for for kind of construction wear or um, technical wear, um, even like tactical wear, like military stuff. You can find a lot of good stuff on Facebook Marketplace. But anyways, I got in touch with a lady on there that I was buying a bunch of fabric from her by, by the pound. And I've stayed in contact with her and she's been my source now. She's my shopper. Wow. Yeah, so she's local and she loves supporting my brand. And yeah, it's a nice little, relationship I built off very of that. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So um so like the so like the, the piece you're wearing now. This is two hoodies combined. Tell us about it. <laughs> well I actually um am making a Snapchat filter that will have this as, you know, a wearable piece in the filter that anyone can can wear and try on. It'll have my logo on it. But it's this is a sample. So it's my first time wearing it, trying it out, seeing how it feels. Um, I plan to mass produce it, hopefully with the Snapchat filter rollout. So interesting. Yeah. And what I'm so how long you've been doing thrifted tiff, right? Yes. Everybody yes. go to thrifted tiff yes, dot com. <laughs> that is it. I have had the business for two years. I have had my Instagram account, though, for four years. So originally when I started with the and thrifted Instagram tips account. Is Instagram the same thing? Instagram? No, it was kind of my is way it, of my providing, like um, that was my own platform. Like Is it I under your name? That, is it at? Yeah, Tiff, at thrifted tiff was oh. my original um, handle. So if somebody gets you on Instagram, they go to thrifted tiff? Yeah. And yeah. on? And on, on your website. On my website, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And all the purchases go through your website, is that right? Yes. And okay. you can also purchase through Instagram or Facebook. I okay. mean, it's pretty much widespread and purchasable. So. It's women's clothing only? No, a lot of it in, is unisex. Okay. So um, I really pride myself on that. I try to make as much unisex wear as I can. Okay. Um, I think having something comfortable and accessible for everyone to buy more sustainably is really where, where I'm trying to have impact. Right. So, so what, like in the four years you've been doing this, what have been some of your high points for where you've seen your clothing go? I'm Ooh, just curious. I love to talk about these. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, when I was in Portland, I got to do consignment with one of the first streetwear stores ever in Chinatown. Um, and they started with a couple racks and now they're they're full. I mean, they have no more room for consigners. But when I started with them, um, they actually asked me to come on as the first female um, consigner in their store. 
Um, it was like one of 14 and then I grew to one of 37 vendors and I outsold all of them in my first month. And that was a very, very good moment for wow. me. I was so proud of myself. I worked so hard on that collection and it, it felt good to know that other people saw it the way I did because it is art. It's mm -hmm. it's a unique taste. And Portland has a lot of that. They they have Nike headquarters there. They've got their own fashion week. They've got very, very high-end clientele as well. Mm -hmm. So it's a good mixture of street and kind of that high-end leisure wear too. Cool. So it was fun. It was a great experience. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, is there, do you have, is there another one? Yeah, I've got a few. Yeah, no, tell so us, recently, tell us. brag um, a little bit if you would. Okay, I hate bragging. <laughs> That's, um, I want you to though. I'm, I'm, yeah, I want to hear. Okay. <laughs> well, um, recently, oh, I'll start from the beginning of this story because it's it's a fun one that I like to share lately. Um, I when I first moved back from Portland, this was in October. I think September or October is when I moved back from Portland to make Kansas my home again. Um, my first goal before I even left Oregon was I need to get to Tech Nine. Like I want to design him something really, really cool. Sweet. And really like sh give him thanks. He was on his fifth, 65th tour and he was doing his last show in Kansas City. So wow. I'm like, I'm calling my boyfriend, like, we need to get the meet and greet. I need to get the shirt to him. So I spent like, 36 hours making this one of one piece shirt out of a vintage, um, one of his first tour shirts that I had found ironically in the thrift store. And it was a beautiful shirt in perfect condition. So I took that opportunity to put my time in over that 24 hours. We went to the concert, I, meet, I met Tech and all the other strange artists. But one of the artists I had met, which that moment was amazing and great and I'll never forget it. but followed by many more great moments i met all the other artists and had an opportunity to kind of talk to them and be like hey i'm a local you know stylist designer anything you might need if you're in kansas city like hit me up hmm. i'd love to help you out like i'd love to help you out <laughs> so um maze 301 is one of the new artists that is a part of strange music and i got the opportunity of um, being asked to go on set for his music video and styling all his outfits oh, for sweet. the music video yeah that was very 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 fun but who was the videographer on that um cameron cox and chris <laughs> I, yeah yeah chris comments yeah. yeah you know these guys matt yeah yeah yeah, yeah they were there and Sweet. It was cool to watch them all operate in the back end and how creatively everybody worked together. It was, it was amazing to watch. Very cool. Yeah. I interviewed one guy uh, that, that worked at Chapman Studios. That was, I think, and I think didn't Tech 9 work there some before he started Strange? Well, that's where he recorded all of his stuff before he built his studio. Yeah, yeah before him and Travis. So Alec, Alex Sardiano, uh, Smart Alec. I don't know if you I don't come across him. He, you ought to because he's he's a producer and nice. engineer and cool. does his own stuff too, rap wow. guy. But wow. he graduated from North Kansas City. Nice. Uh, Italian guy. So anyway, but yeah, um, that's awesome, man. Yeah. How cool is that? It was very fun. That's got... a fast door that opened for you. It, it's... And how, <laughs> like it's like kind of serendipitous that you found that piece very, of clothing yeah very much so that's so, so cool. and that that one piece i made for tech ended up leading to 
me making this i mean it was one of my favorite pieces i think i've ever made but i made a um prairie ghosts button up that i rehabbed and threw all these other pockets on i put uh don't look for change be the change which was consistent in my latest collection that i dropped i put that on the shirt and i got to put my big thrifted tiff on the back and when he put it on he just watching his face i think that was probably the best moment not just the music video getting the opportunity but watching him put it on and and really feeling like this is exactly how i want to express myself in this song you know it, mm. it was like it was serendipitous to him too so it ended up working out great um and then from there now i'm designing um i don't know if i'm allowed to say this but i'm designing um for another music video under strange which is coming up here in the next two weeks so very cool that's on my docket too yeah hey that's awesome yeah it's been it's been a fun fun road lots of learning lots of learning yeah. i can tell you that so where like where have your clothing where has it gone around the world have you found pieces canada we're gonna get some in ethiopia here soon. yeah in ethiopia it'll <laughs> <laughs> be there soon um ireland has been creeping on my brand for a while which is very okay. strange but they're they're one of the um international viewers of my my business um my first sale on my website was out of canada okay so that was another exciting moment it's kind of fun to see you know yeah you things. kind of get to trace mm -hmm. who's looking right and yeah that's but cool it's, it's been a cool process that's cool well let's let's talk a little bit about creativity okay because um i i, I just wrote a, a blog a couple of weeks ago called creativity and spirituality and i basically said they're they're the same stream yeah and i really do think that the creativity uh and spirituality flow together or maybe even the same thing yeah and whatever one's view is of how this whole world came about um you know even even you know like if it's 15 billion year old you know universe and all this has evolved yeah from stardust yeah know? right and 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 to think about the the creative energy yeah for billions of years absolutely or if you're from uh one of the traditional backgrounds faith backgrounds where you're thinking like in the beginning god created mm -hmm. it's right off the bat yeah it's in the first verse right of Genesis. the of the jewish bible the hebrew bible yeah. right mm -hmm. god created and then that whole section there is poetry mm -hmm. it's hebrew poetry and it's it's this creative energy and flow i think of the universe right yeah absolutely and so uh and then i've had i had something really fun here recently so I, I never thought of myself as creative, even though I was teaching and I would mash up the scriptures with video clips and yeah. people's stories. And I, but I honestly, I, I don't know why I never thought of that as creative. And then I read years ago, uh, I can't remember, 2012 or something, there's a book came out called Steal Like an Artist by Austin Kleon. Okay. It's a simple little read. In fact, I'll give you a copy of it before I you it. leave. I bought boxes of it and gave them away because he was the first time I, 
I read something and I realized, oh God, I'm creative because it's so still like you. an artist. It's like his his ideas that every every ideas come from someplace. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And so, what inspires you uniquely? And then you take that and then you mash it up, mix it up. And we do, but musicians do that. Yeah. Everybody does that. And I realized, gosh, that's what I've done for so many years in a different, in a different format, different genre. Yeah. So that kind of got me thinking of like, oh my gosh, everybody's creative <laughs> mm -hmm. in some way or another, right? And yeah. there's a spiritual component to that. Like, cause I like yeah. to think about spirituality as connection to self, others and something greater. Right. And so then I ran across a, a book recently by a guy now, a gal named Julia Cameron called The Artist's Way. Okay. And this came out in, in uh, 19, uh, what what decade what century uh 1992 okay okay well it turns out like she was writing for rolling stone and then she married martin scorsese no oh, wow and then they're not married anymore but then mm. she was a song she was a writer a poet she wrote movies scripts all kinds of stuff but she she hit the road of alcohol and cocaine and all that and yeah. uh ended up going into recovery after 10 years of all of that and yeah and she ended up taking recovery principles and applying it to blocked artists and so wrote this spiritual that. book about creativity called the artist's way like elizabeth gilbert you know wrote eat love pray mm -hmm. and all that she says that wouldn't exist without this book and she's wow. she's been like for three decades and i just found this book like and i've just been reading it myself for the first time oh, and her her book publicist i happened to run across her book publicist who knows a friend of mine and he just sent me an advanced copy of her new book this oh, Julia there Cameron's you go. new book called seeking wisdom but my point in all this with you is that um i love talking about creativity and what inspires you and how that how that unpacks in you around what you do in your work like how do you your spiritual journey how does that does does it tie in? Do you think about no, those absolutely. things? I'm just curious. Like, yeah, hundred um, percent. I think I rely on my spirituality and my energy wherever it is at any moment. I rely on that to to make my decisions about my day, to make the decisions of what what project I take on, what fabric I choose, what mood I'm in. Um, I think. Creativity and spirituality for me has become more pressing and more at the forefront of my brain in the last two years than it has ever in my life. Um, I realize that my creativity as a in my, my younger adulthood, that I kind of was, I, I felt a little ashamed of it. You know, I my family's very conservative. They're very <clears throat> cut and dry type of style. Um, and I always felt very different and unique compared to my, not only my my teammates, my school, you know, schoolmates, like my family, even through and through. That was that was where I I I was trying to silence it as much as I could. Um, as in I, I as I became an adult and I moved to Michigan, had to 
figure out who I was by myself, I'm like, I actually like this side of me. It makes me feel comforted. It makes me feel safe. And I, and I wanted to venture more into that because it was making me feel good. And I'm like, why does that, why is it feels like such yeah. a home? Yeah. And that was where I began my spiritual awakening was it was like, who are you? Like, who are you really, you know? Um, and I spent a lot of my time wondering and being scared of who I was. And I was at a point now where I was forced to embrace, embrace who I was. And as that happened, things didn't feel so monotonous. They didn't feel so drug out. They didn't, I, I was enjoying each moment more. And if, if I had a moment that hurt, it hurt more. And I, I allowed that space in my mm. spiritual to, to resonate with that. Let it, let it, you know, do its thing because mm. you got to do that yeah. and then you got to put your pants on and move forward you know like buckle up and move forward yeah and that's that's the conservative voice inside my head that yeah. from my parents saying like you're fine like you're gonna be okay like get up move on get on to the next task right we have like goals to to knock out so i battle this like okay it's okay be more graceful with yourself and then it's like no go 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 we, we got the world to conquer you know um, so that was my spiritual, I think, journey and fight together. You know, uh, Julia Cameron in her The Artist Way book, uh, she she talks about how so many artists are not encouraged. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's it's rare for somebody to grow up in America in a home that's encouraging artistic endeavors, allowing absolutely. young people to express themselves and actually even uh, maybe helping them think that they could even do make it. a living or, or at least a, anything, know, anything, out anything of that and right. then to be encouraged. So then so many artists end up burying these these skills, these dreams, these yeah. gifts, these passions, the, the, the uniqueness of who they are. Absolutely. And so her so this that's so, so fascinating to me and I'm, I'm so crazy i'm just finding this book but um her deal was to help unlock her whole purpose was to help unlock that blocked artist in in everyone yeah i love I thought that. that's a beautiful thing i right? think that's very beautiful i i find resonance with that in my brand and my business because what i'm doing is filling the gap that i needed filled in my life and creating a space where everyone's okay you know you're comfortable being weird come on over here like you're all right you know you're you're not weird this is you be okay like you're okay you know and i i'm creating that voice for others because i didn't have it and i think i found that with my as i as my skills grew better and as i realized there was impact behind what i was doing i'm like this is bigger than me and i want to use my platform to have that impact and and empower others to fight that you yeah. know because be it requires a lot of bravery to go against the grain and to be constantly told or maybe even not told anything any words of encouragement um and sometimes i i have a lot of peers who were encouraged and and didn't choose to you know so so i think there's a lot of balance in the pain that i felt and and the hunger that came from it. it it wasn't like a i can't sit with this anymore i have to follow this i have to make this a space for yeah. other people like me you know 
Yeah, so you, you've really seen what you're doing not only is about fashion, but it's about empowering women in particular yeah. to be, to, to walk out some of their creativity, some of their dreams, some absolutely. of their individuality. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. What, what do you, what, if you had to, as you've worked in this area with women and empowering women, what would you say are some of the biggest, two or three of the top biggest blocks for women and their creativity and, and even empowering women? What would three, three of maybe two or three of the biggest obstacles okay or yeah obstacles to feeling empowered that, yeah kind of yeah yeah what would um, be the maybe two or three of the top ones sadly enough i would say uh the first one would be just the male the male opinion and word inside the women's industry will frighten you and who's actually making their outfits, these Fashion Nova outfits, these outfits that aren't even comfortable for women. They don't enjoy wearing them. They don't feel themselves, but feel the need to wear this, right? They, they feel the need to wear these outfits that almost objectify them, which is what they're not trying to have, you know? So it's this conflict of, okay, well, if I wear this, I'm going to fit in and look good on Instagram, but it's not really what I align with in my real life. And I think a lot of women battle that. They, the social media is not positive in that yeah. running either. Um, <clears throat> so I think women battle the societal expectation of what we're supposed to look like and what what is sexy and what is cute and what makes us who we are. And I think whatever makes you, you do that. You know, like, don't go wear that Fashion Nova outfit. Don't go wear the same thing that Kim K had on last weekend. Like, let's wear something different, like something comfortable, something that you like. Pick it out yourself. Take the time to go find that piece, like find enjoyment in it. There's a spiritual journey in connecting with something that you wear that you feel super great in. Like when I feel good, I work well, I communicate well, I do better in my day to day life when I feel comfortable. And what other people see is not, oh, she's comfortable. It's she's weird, you know, like she's different. Like yeah. everyone notices that, but that's okay. Yeah. So even, so, so the, so the sort of patriarchal world that we live in, like there's still men in high places that have great influence. Great influence. And even in the fashion industry. Absolutely. Is that right? Yes, they do. And sometimes that, uh silences voices or yeah or takes people down paths that they really don't resonate with who they are right yeah and and social media again is i think the second probably biggest biggest okay. thing so the people up above the people who are making these outfits yeah. on social media to make them mass produced so, purchasable so those are kind of like external uh things that can you know, be obstacles. What about internal obstacles in women? Like their own, like stuff going on in their own heart, yeah. mind. Um, if I'm speaking on my own behalf, and I know this is common from the women that I've spoken to and with, um, a lot of my past can can be a part of a present in a different way. I think 
that's not only with women. I think that's with everyone. Sometimes people let things from their past determine what actions you take today, you know? And it's it's your choice whether to make it a positive or negative one right. or to let the past impact you in this way or that way. Um, mental health right now is a huge crisis in the world. Um, not just women, but men. I think women yeah. specifically have go through unique experiences um, that that make them make choices on what they wear, what their external looks like because of this, you know, background voice or background social media picture or what they envision or what they're being shown as what success looks like or, you know, only being shown or filtered on your newsfeed, these outfits that Fashion Nova is putting out that only cover a fourth of your body, you know? And so there's a lot of external voices that will create a voice internally. Yeah. And it does, it does create a big influence on, on the decisions people make. So, but women in particular, I, I, I really want to start seeing women feel comfortable being comfortable. Yeah. Have you, have you created any kind of a, a network for empowering women at all? Or is there there's like, is there something? Yeah. Because you, I saw it on your website and, and yeah. I was just curious if there's. I'm working on hopefully within the next few months here, a foundation that will be created for Kansas City local women. Um, it'll be a space where we travel, we be, are able to connect, entrepreneurship, whatever, wherever you are in your creative process, you're welcome there. Um, it's just lining that all out on paper that I'm, I'm working through now. But I think um, I'm able to empower the most when I'm doing pop-ups, when I'm around people that are, you know, in the culture and in the scene, because that's where I'm my, my best self. That's yeah. who I am, you know, and that's when I'm able to really empower and, okay. and provide that change. I, I, I'm curious to follow that and see where it goes. Yeah, I'm interested I, I too. Like, I like that idea. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, so what? So what things are you uh, currently learning and, and excited about uh, that, you know, as you look out over the next couple of years, what are you, what, what kind of is like bubbling up inside you and what are you, oh, so what are you learning? Things. What are you, what are you excited about? Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited about my life. Um, honestly, I think there's, there's a lot of great things ahead. One of the big thing that's I'm most excited about is I'm about to do my first fashion show ever. Um, it'll be here in Kansas City. Yes. Hey. Yeah. I This will be the first time I've told anyone. Wow. So, yeah. Um, it's going to be on Earth Day, actually, to support the sustainable okay. sustainable movement. Wait, give me that date. Um, 422. Okay. Yeah. Not 420. 422. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Two days after the national holiday. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that, that's I, something I'm working on. I it's a whole new beast i've not had a lot of experience in it and i'm willing to admit that but where I'm are you learning are you doing this this will be your own fashion show yeah and i'm where I, are you gonna do this at um do you at know the t-mobile center there's a little portion that's called the college basketball experience okay um it's really great the mayor actually pushed for that space um to bring 
the college basketball experience to tournaments. Okay. So they have the confetti for the kids to run through when they get on the basketball court. They have the national tournament. I mean, trophies there. Yeah. Um, they have actual shoes worn by Jordan there. Um, it's a really great experience for the younger community. Sure. Um, a lot of kids travel there um, just, just to go there. So it's going to be a great space that'll be on a basketball court. I'm making a runway off of a basketball court. <laughs> well, that's fun. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be really cool. So you have um, in your clothing line, what do you, are you doing uh, tops, pants, hats, um, shoes, or are you just- Eventually you I will do it all. I'm, I'm going to say that right here, right now. Yeah. Eventually I'll do it all. But right now I focus mostly on tops. Um, okay. Tops has been really where I connect the most. Okay. Um, but pants is something I'm learning. I'm actually learning how to produce from scratch with patterns right now. And mostly I, I've been freestyling it and using old fabrics as patterns, but now I'm converting to a more refined way of, of production. So that you'll see that in the fashion show. It's going to be very, very high quality. Very stuff. cool. Yeah. Now, will you have? Are you? You'll have models. Yes. Uh, how yes. many uh, local models? Yes, all local. Very cool. It'll, they'll range from you know big influencers that are from here, from regular people. My front runner was eleven years old, and <laughs> she's the daughter of a um, a basketball player here in Kansas City. So sweet. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. It's open to everybody. I'm going to have music in the beginning. There's going to be like a, a small session of the behind the scenes of making the runway show happen. It'll be about seven to 10 minutes long. And then I'm going to have a small space for vendors in the back um, that are sustainable brands that will come and bring their products or you know their mission and have a space to speak about right. it after the event. Hey everyone, sorry for the abrupt ending. We had a technical difficulty right at the tail end of Tiffany's interview. We were just getting ready to talk about sustainability and her perspective on that. Uh, textiles being one of the number one uh, contributors to pollutants in the planet Earth. And so one of her ways to do her part is to do upcycling on the clothing and use her creativity, make beautiful clothes, but at the same time, care for the planet. So I love this interview with Tiffany. And if you want to check her out, go to thriftedtiff.com, thriftedtiff.com. And thanks for tuning in to Spirituality Adventures. We'll see you next time. This concludes today's episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Remember, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Remember to like, share, or subscribe to the social media platform that you're using. And then go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com, and make a one-time donation, or you can subscribe monthly and receive our special bonus content. Thanks so much.